everybody. Welcome to the Craft Heads podcast. Uh, you are listening to me, Tommy, and my best friend, Alex, of about 22, 23 years after seeing that post. That's how I know that you sent the other day. Um, we uh, have a podcast where we talk about nothing, aka talk about everything. And uh, we normally like to bring a crafty cocktail, beverage, beer, sometimes not so crafty just because we have a more crafty topic which might be the, the case today. Um, but yeah, uh, Alex, do you want to tell the, the folks what we're going to be talking about? Definitely. So anybody who listened to episode 126, you'll remember that I mentioned I wanted to do a quick follow-up episode with uh, Tara, and it wound up working out. Tommy was interested in watching the documentary that we mentioned, so I figured this was a good time for us to do uh, a quick episode instead. And um, the documentary is called The Truth About Alcohol. So hopefully we baited you in here with the title. It sounds very uh, (laughs) doom and gloom. It's from 2016. It's a BBC documentary. And it's less than an hour long. It was on Netflix when when Tara and I watched it. But you can find it on YouTube. I'll put a link in the episode for sure. But it basically... It's a good thing that we're recording it now because we wouldn't have known about the YouTube thing. People would have went on Netflix and be like, what the fuck? Well, yeah. And sometimes I worry about that whenever I do the movie cast. But just... You know, I'm just talking about the movies. I'm not saying they're all on Netflix, but actually, I usually leave that off. But um, it's basically this documentary talks about common uh, beliefs and misconceptions about alcohol, yada yada, that kind of a thing. And the guy who is sort of the star is a silly word, but like the narrator of it, and he leads the whole thing. His name is Javid Abdel Monayum. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I apologize. Um, Cool, really cool guy. Very entertaining. I told Tommy. Uh, that I thought he would like it because it's it's a fun watch and it's very informative while not being condescending. Like I sort of expected yeah. it to be annoying. Like yes, I know alcohol is bad for you. It's they they definitely affirm all of that, but like in a fun way and also say like there's a way you can do it where like it's not going to be the end of the world. You know. So yeah, um, I liked him. He was he seemed just like a normal doctor. He, yeah, he was a doctor, but he seemed like. Like I always say Barack Obama, I use this to, to I know, automatically getting political here, but I feel like Barack Obama, he was too normal of a human being to be president. I feel like he was a very normal guy. Yeah, like very down to earth. This guy, yes, and this guy is like um, just a very down to earth doctor. Yeah, at least when we saw him in public. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, this I think he even said at one point in it, Tommy, something like, I as a doctor or or was he a doctor or a nurse? I can't remember. Re, he's he a doctor. Okay, so let's say he's yeah. a doctor. And he was like, uh, "I hate when people drink, but I love drinking." And I was like, <laughs> I, "I feel that. I understand that." So, well, I wish I would have remembered. And as we talk about it, I hope it does pop up in my head. But there was several moments where I remember him saying stuff that I was like, "Ooh, Sorbachev's really gonna like that." Yeah, absolutely. I, there were and Swarbuchev is Alex for those of you who are listening in for the first. Yeah, time. for the newcomers. Thank you, Tommy. It's yeah. my long-standing moniker. But we'll dive in on all the topics before we do for our drink. Tommy, do you have a separate drink? Or are you not drinking tonight? Yeah, I'm, I am drinking. Even Good though man. I'm going to uh, the gym after this, this is my this is my drink of choice beforehand. Alex and I are on camera, so we can see each other. Forgive us if we don't completely communicate what we're doing i'm showing him a bottle of uh the pilsner urkel which is the oldest pilsner in the world and uh they were two for one at publix 
uh, a little while ago, and my mom picked up like seven or eight six packs. I don't know why she would have picked up seven. She picked up eight, yeah. obviously. Um, and so we have a ton of these lying around, and I love this beer so much. That's that sounds really good. And typically, really old stuff like that's probably going to come from Germany, B- Belgium, Bavaria, if yep. you will. And, and yeah. so it probably is it Reinheitsgebot. You know the the purity law, or is it Czech Republic? You, it's Czech. That's what I was trying okay, to say. Okay, yeah. yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. But yeah, Reinheitsgebot is the German purity law, so I'm sure Pilsner Urquell follows that rule. Pro- probably. Um, yeah. So it's, whenever you say that, I, I hear Arkell, like R. Kelly, <laughs> R. Kelly's oh, beer. Oh yeah. Well, actually, so Urkel. our German friends, yeah, yeah, sure. We have a friend Yaro uh, who's very German, straight from Germany in the yeah. past couple of years, and he makes fun of me for saying Urkel, and it is Urkel, yeah, Pilsner Urkel, or something like that. That's, that's the problem. The Yaro's gonna hate me. That's one of the zillion problems with our society is if you make effort to actually do something correctly, but it sounds silly to stupid people, you get made fun of, and that's it. That yeah. disincentivizes trying to, to do something correctly. Anyways, Can my I, drink. Wait, hold on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> since since we're on that topic, really quick, I after you um, after you introduce your drink, I got to tell you something that you're probably going to get mad at. So, go oh, ahead. here we go. What you like, Halo Three? <laughs> no. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, my drink, and you'll see why, Tommy. I'm showing it to him now. It's the Monte Falco Sagrantino, and the reason that is relevant and why I saved it for this episode. First of all, I had to find it. It's not necessarily easy to find, although we did find it at Total Wine because they have everything. And Mm -hmm. although it was discontinued. Is that the one? Is that the one in the the, the documentary? You know I'm a crafty boy. That has the most, what's it? Polyphenols. It the most uh, polyphenols. Thank you. Yep, so we'll get to that as one of the topics. Um, Whenever Tommy... Uh, watched it. I actually asked him. I said, you know, just so I don't have to go through the whole thing again, can you please just like take a note of each one of the things that they covered so we know to cover them on the podcast? But uh, Sagrantino is, I don't want to say it's the grape with the most polyphenols, but out of the ones they tested, it scored higher, uh, including over number two of what they tested, which was ca- uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And long story mm-hmm. short, it's good for your cardiovascular system. I think you're I, I think you're getting that mixed up with uh brandy and the things that cause hangovers. The uh carrageenan? No, not carrageenan. What's the C word? Thank you. Tara for the the hangover things. Congeners. Congeners. Um no, cab- congenials? Congeners. Congeners. Yeah. Okay. Can you fact pack, right. fact check that for us just to make sure Tara Thank you. Ross, the producer over here, is in this. But yeah, the number one that they tested was Sagrantino, which I did find a bottle of. I, I do enjoy it. Tara and I both like it. It's it's quite dry. I would say a little bit drier than Cabernet Sauvignon, but both of them uh, have high polyphenol levels, which is good for your heart. C-O-N-G-E-N-E-R. Cool. Thank you very much. And we'll get to that about what they are. Uh, Tommy, dive in. Did you say, so did you say that is it Javid or Javid? I, I said Javid like a like an American idiot. It's probably yeah. Javid Abdel. I'm not sure. Again, yeah. I don't want. I don't I'm even want to say Javid just because I think that's what it is. But yeah. um, you did you say there was ten sections within the documentary? I I don't know if or, I even had a number. 
It's okay, somewhere I, around you there. Said, I think you texted me and said there was 10. So I was looking for 10 but only found seven different like sections. Yeah, I, I honestly and don't I remember those. that. So I'm sure you're correct. So it's all good. Okay. And, and you told me you were going to make me mad with something. Yeah. Um, so that was it, – it has to do with cancel culture. Okay. Do you want to cover it now? <laughs> Let's do it. You said – so you had said just a second ago that people get uh, made fun of or uh, get destroyed for trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, just recently, my most recent piece of pop culture news is that um, Matt Damon uh, is in the headlines I saw something for – yeah, it was on Barstool. Do you follow Barstool? When I see something that makes me mad, I don't click it. And no, I don't follow <laughs> Barstool. I just I yeah. all I saw was something related to Matt Damon and the the F slur. Yeah, the F slur, not the F word. Correct. And he apparently just stopped. He like came out and said, "I stopped saying the F slur because basically I saw the, re- the way my daughter was reacting to it and people got mad at him because he was still saying it even though he was admitting to saying i'm done saying it because i realized that we live in a new world and it's not right to say that anymore well it's it's never good enough this is no surprise yeah Tommy. exactly so, exactly uh, i'm gonna go watch the departed anybody who has seen that <laughs> movie will understand my joke there so <laughs> moving on let's dive right on in tommy Let's dive in, as as you and I were talking about. So section one in the Truth About Alcohol documentary, they talk about reaction time. And they do – well, they do a couple tests for how uh, alcohol dulls the senses. Mm -hmm. And the three tests that they did were reaction time. They did like a counting test and they did a pain test. Yeah. So this was like the first section where they went into the bar and they just basically said, all right, do drunk – they always pretty much in all these sections have a control group and a – and like a drunk group, I guess, the test group. What do they call that? Yeah. I, and, I, I think um, that's it actually, test and control, but I, I could be wrong. Variable, variable yeah, and, and control. They actually had a really – cool. thank you. They actually had a really cool test that I wanted to try out that they had in the bar. If you, have, have you ever been to an arcade where they have that like – light those those buttons that light up and you have to hit the button and you try to see how many buttons you can hit and that's like an arcade game yeah that was a long time ago for sure right so they have that in with they use that within the episode but to add an extra dimension to it they have buttons that light up but as they light up they emit like a beeping noise or like a like a, a ringing noise so you can't hit that button if it does that. So not only is it just testing your reaction time to hit the buttons, but you have to stop yourself if you hear that noise. And that was the big thing that was getting people that were drunk. Like they said that people that were drunk or not drunk could do the button part pretty much equally. But as soon as the the one that lit up and rang, drunk people were having problems stopping mm-hmm. themselves from hitting that button. And I thought that that was a really interesting note about because I've I've always felt like, you know, my reaction time wasn't that bad. Maybe, you know, like depending on how drunk I am, obviously, just like a couple beers in, I feel completely the same. But that's what they were testing is that like these people weren't absolutely blitzed, but they couldn't. It was just slowing them down enough that they couldn't stop in time. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think a huge part of that was they also 
this might have been in the same section. They did a thing where you had to like move rings from one peg to another while also counting or whatever. And I think yep. it's about how many like how many different multitasking. First of all, human mm. beings by nature are bad at multitasking. Like that's that's a proven mm-hmm. thing. And that makes me think of the the whole light and sound thing reminds me of playing Signal Flag on one two switch where you have to never played it. Oh my god. Okay. I, it, I barely played any one two switch with you guys it, and I always wanted to. It is a blast <laughs> and basically you are you have to go up down left or right depending on what you see or what you hear the commands come from the screen, but don't quote me, I can't remember 100% which one it is, but if it's a female voice, you listen to what she says. If it's a male voice, you do the opposite of what he says or it could be vice versa for the listeners but you know so if the guy comes on if he goes right you swing the flag to the left so you're processing Uh two factors what and i don't think i've ever played that game sober (laughs) so Uh it's always a blast it's really cool but yeah definitely related to that and uh the third thing they did was like a pain test where they had people stick their hands in like a bucket of ice and the people that were drunk could obviously withstand pain significantly longer and like they they showed thermal imaging of that guy's hand it was like purple oh my god that was horrible yeah so imaging was neat yeah and he was like i could leave it in for longer they were like no you've had enough (laughs) (laughs) yeah that guy i felt like he was trying to be a badass (laughs) totally i mean he was drunk that's that's what you do so Mm -hmm. next one what was the next uh experiment or myth the, they uh, tried to figure out why some people get drunk faster than others, like the heavyweight versus lightweight thing. What What is like the true meaning behind that? This was probably, I think, the most fascinating, what, maybe the first or second most fascinating thing of the entire documentary. So, Really? Yeah, like we all talk about um, like tolerance and mm-hmm. how big you are, how tall you are, how much fat or muscle you have. And it's like, yes – Technically, uh, everything that I just said, minus the tolerance part, they are all things that are correlated with the real factor, and mm-hmm. that is water vo- water content of your body. Straight Ooh, up, I I I think I heard something different within the documentary. What did you hear? Muscle. Well, it's both, but okay. Water. Yeah. Ha- I'm sorry. Muscle has more water. So again, okay, gotcha. everything comes down to water. And if the more water you have in your body, the more you can drink. But obviously somebody who's really tall is going to have more water. Somebody who has more muscle than fat. Like a, a huge muscular meathead, despite what you might think, is going to be able to drink way more than like a 400-pound slob who has no muscle on his body, you know, mm. because of water content. So gotcha. I just thought that was really cool. Like it's all about water, just like it's sort of everything in life. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me because a friend Joe that we've talked about several times um, is pretty muscular. I mean, he used to do bodybuilding competitions and I've always considered him and he would consider himself a lightweight. Mm -hmm. Like he gets drunk after like a beer or two. Yeah. And and who knows, you know, like there's lots of different factors I feel like that go into when you get drunk. Like some people are almost like mentally resistant to it or mentally accepting of it. There's also the factor that this was not in the documentary, but um, alcohol is a depressant, but it can Mm. function as a stimulant in certain social settings. Like, you know, physiologically, it it is 100% a depressant, but like if you're 
in, in college, you're doing shots and you're getting ready to go out. You're all hyper and everything because of the social surroundings interacting with, with you and that drug. But um, I think there are a lot of different factors. But according to that documentary, water content in your body is, is the number one factor anyway, according to the documentary. Mm-hmm. So really cool. Okay. I, I'm glad you picked that up because that's why you're here to, to, to pick up on the things that I didn't get. <laughs> two, two heads are better than one, bro. Yeah. Um, so the third thing that they talked about was, does alcohol make you eat more? Okay. This. Okay. Wait. This this was not my number two, but this was really cool. Take take this one, Tommy. I'll jump in whenever you get to the one I'm thinking of. I thought this was interesting because once again, like all the things that they did in here, they had a control and a variable group. Um, I hope that's right, and I hope we're not just going to say I'm going to look it time. up. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> But uh, they had a group – they brought in like a, a sports team and they just cut the sports team in half and they said, you guys hang out in the front room. You hang out in the back room. We're going to give you guys alcohol. And and they said that they were going to give them a memory test at the end. What they really did without telling them is gave one of the groups alcohol and one of the groups non-alcoholic beer. And then they put food in front of them and then they weighed the food at the end to see who ate more. And obviously, I mean, it's like a small one test, but the group that had the alcohol ate more, ate like 36% more, I think was the actual figure. So um, alcohol makes you eat more. Yep. So not only are you getting the calories from the alcohol, but you're also getting the calories from the food that you're inevitably going to eat. Exactly. It's everybody knows this. It's something that we struggle to come to terms with. But if you want to lose weight and you drink, stop drinking. It is literally the easiest thing that you can do next to fasting. Like it, yeah. it's easier than fasting. You just not drinking. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, I was looking it up. I think it sort of depends on what the experiment is. Like I saw control versus experimental group control versus variable group control versus treatment group, like for drugs. I think it's safe enough to say that we are using the term generally. So, okay, we, we can keep good. using it. Sounds good. Yep. Excuse me. So um, the other, the, the next thing along with the food, they started talking about eating food before drinking, if that makes you less drunk or yes. stops you from getting so drunk. Alex, do you want to take this one? Yes, I absolutely loved this one because, first of all, he did one really goofy thing for this experiment where he <laughs> swallowed this pill with a camera attached it didn't add anything to the documentary. It's like, look, there's food in my stomach. It's like, I know, you just ate. It, although it was cool, it was kind of disgusting and hilarious. But um, anyways, aside from that, what they wound up proving uh, was that they breathalyzed. He and somebody he was drinking with, They one of them drank on a completely empty stomach. He drank with a very full stomach. And not only did the his companion get drunker faster, but... Uh, it went. Well, maybe I'm saying the same thing here. She what, she got drunker and drunker faster. So he didn't and stayed drunk longer. Exactly. Too. Yeah. It was like mm-hmm. it was just across the board a huge difference. And I think the best thing about it that I remember was like I am constantly worried about my liver, and you know any thinking logical person would say, "Hey, Alex, stop drinking." And I'm like, "I know," and then I don't. But if you want to take a tiny little bit of burden off uh, uh, of your liver in 
the uh, like the breaking down of alcohol, there is a small amount of those enzymes in your stomach. Usually, it gets to your intestine. Where, uh, intestines, which is where it's processed and broken down. But if you have a very full stomach of food, the alcohol spends more time in your stomach than it would if you had an empty stomach. And therefore, it does a little bit of the work instead of your liver, like sort of gets mm-hmm. a, a head start. And I that was the one that like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, not only is it a good idea because you won't get as drunk as fast, but you're actually taking a slight bit of the the load off your liver. I just thought that one was so cool. Unless you're like trying to catch up with your friends because you got late to to the party and then you need to you know take four shots and yeah, at that point you you know <laughs> robbed Peter to pay Paul and what's the difference? But it, all other things equal, it's a very good idea. It's it's better to eat. It's not good to eat on an empty stomach. There you go. Yeah. You know we actually drink. Didn't talk about idiot. something. I thought you were telling me to drink. Like you're not drinking. Oh, enough. that too. But yes, drink, Spitta. Cheers. But um, yeah, what what did we not cover? Units. Oh, I have I have a picture on my phone. Did you mark down all the units? Because um, no, but I could remember them. So why don't you do the thing? Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, I've act, Tara and I have actually been tracking these since we watched the documentary on a weekly basis. Basically, they were saying that in the UK. Maybe in the United States, too. I don't know. Um, I do remember seeing this over COVID that officially scientists, nutritionists, whatever, have said men no longer have like a slightly higher recommended modest alcohol intake. It's now just the same across the board for men and women. And um, in any given week, you should have no more than 14 units of alcohol and the way they define units is a shot of whiskey one ounce of whiskey or any other 80 proof spirit is one unit a glass of wine which they did not define whether they were doing five ounce or six ounce pours we'll get to that they defined that as three units um then i have in this picture i have it looks like white wine but small so like a smaller glass of wine if anything cider i'm sorry was it cider I remember they showed they talked about cider. Maybe too. I don't know. I mean, it certainly could be. That would make sense because right next to it there is a pint, specifically a pint, so sixteen ounces of beer, which is um, two units. So, mm. keeping all of that in mind, obviously, if you have three beers and three pints in a night, like draft beers at a at a pub, that's six of your fourteen allotted units for the week. And what Tara and I have found is we cut back. And we're able to easily stay within the 14 units from Sunday to Thursday. And then all hell breaks loose on Friday and Saturday. If you actually keep track with units on days when you drink heavily, it's disgusting. So Right. So I, I, I found most interesting about the unit thing is that like drinking a beer, let's just say a beer out of a can. Or a bottle. People would know. Yeah, or a bottle. Yeah, because they're the same, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. 12. Um, Drinking a beer out of a can or a bottle, which is 12 fluid ounces, is not one unit. You're not having one drink. You're having 1.5 according to this scale. Correct. So, like, if you if you have 14 beers during the week and you're like, oh, no, I stand under the 14 limit, you're actually having 1.5 times 21, that, right? Which is 21, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, the bar is you're low. You're way over. <laughs> yep. And, and one of the things that... Again, that I like about this documentary is they're not – this guy is – especially as a drinker himself, he's not condescending. 
and, but he does make it clear, and the experts make it clear that dr- consuming alcohol, basically, period, is tied to all kinds of different cancers, which was the crazy thing. Like everybody has always known, or at least for a very long time, that it's linked to liver de- disease and heart disease. It is linked to increasing your risk of cancer. If you do, if you want to mitigate that added risk, you don't drink at all. If you want to control the risk and add like a pretty small amount of risk to your overall profile, you stay within that 14 units. I think most, if I had to take a guess, people who drink probably don't. But it it is, I definitely challenge our listeners because I'm sure many, if not most of you are drinkers, like keep track of your stuff for a week or two because it might be a nice little wake up call and be like, well, I wasn't expecting to be under 14, but I also didn't think I was going to be 50, you know? So it's <laughs> it's cool to check out yeah. for sure. I'm, I'd say most of the people that listen to this have at least one big day every week. Yeah, where they go. I would agree. They drink. Yeah, yeah, they drink. <laughs> not like, I'm not, I'm not even, when I say big day, I'm not even saying get drunk, but you have a big day where you're getting 10 units, which could be five beers, you know? And you're not like having... You're not like, oh, wow, I went crazy today, but like, oh, I, I drank today. The best example of that, dude, so if you look at a bottle of wine, which is 750 mils, which is uh, 25 ounces, let's just say you pour um, the five-ounce pour. What about having the whole bottle? Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. It, let's say okay. you do a five-ounce pour, and there's if a glass is um, three units, right, according to that scale, and there's five mm-hmm glasses in a bottle of wine that's 15 units for the bottle um mm. and and that that's if it's the five the five ounce pour i think i think i remember telling you about this that 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 i think that they consider four glasses a full bottle a full 750 bottle so it would be 12 units yeah so let's do that it's 12 units and i don't know about you dear listener but like whenever i open a bottle of wine with tara there's almost no chance of me putting it in the fridge for the next day. Like, we'll split the bottle of wine, which by traditional or conventional wisdom, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but that alone, that one night, is going to be at least your your um, six, six ounce, units. Or units. Yeah. So you can see how quickly these things add up. <laughs> I know, and other people listening that like aren't big drinkers are like, geez, man, this is really easy to stay under. I, yeah. It just depends on and, what kind of drinker you and are. And honestly, really. if you are in that category, salute. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. I, that's the way it should be. I mean, but you know, we all we all have our vices, and I do enjoy bever- adult beverages. <laughs> um, what's next, Tommy? Uh, we've got three more that I wrote down cool um is red wine better for you than white wine and they pretty much determined that yes it's 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 not good for you but drinking a glass of red wine and not even i don't even think a huge glass i think like a small glass of red wine is good for your heart Yes. Not good for you. Like the overwhelming effects might be negative on the body but as far as cardiovascular Red is good for your heart. Yep. The final the final recommendation and best benefit and best demographic was women over the age of this part I'm not sure. It was fifty, fifty five? It was forty. Okay. It was forty. L- let's say middle aged women for sure. Mm-hmm. Middle aged women specifically, two glasses per week is the 
minimum risk and maximize the benefit out of drinking red wine to get the polyphenols. And then mm-hmm. it basically, you get diminishing return. If you keep drinking, it's like, okay, yeah, the polyphenols are good, but like the alcohol is not. So don't do that. But, um, that was very interesting. That was the same experiment that I mentioned earlier. And, um, Sauvignon Blanc, which I think was one of the white wines they tested, scored way lower, if if mm-hmm. like any at all for those. I think it got like had like zero. What was it? Was the c word that you got that you said before? Um, no, this was polyphenols. The oh oh okay yeah because because they definitely tested a um a, a white wine in that same test, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the conventional wisdom people usually think, oh, red wine is better for you, and it, it definitely is. So that was like a mm-hmm. a conception that was upheld, I guess. Yeah, confirmed. Yes, um, confirmed. I liked that the test that they did for that one where Javid went to Javid. like a, a doctor's <laughs> office, Javid, <laughs> and um, they, they tested his, um, I guess, his arteries. I think that's, like, his blood vessels. They They tested, like, the his blood pressure, I don't know, something. And then he got done and they were like, yeah, very normal. And then he took, he like basically chugged a glass of red wine and then said that his blood vessels or whatever they were measuring dilated like a hundred percent, which is good for blood flow helps like not clog them up, which that is what in essence, in a very general sense is makes red wine good for you yeah yeah exactly and in a very general sense because we're not doctors but we are reporting stuff from a what i think was a really well done and well documented documentary so Mm -hmm. it's all cool stuff what's next two left we had we talked about and i bet this one was really exciting for you nightcaps yes okay so (laughs) nightcaps are very bad for you that didn't surprise me. I've actually read plenty about this before. You know, I've done a lot of reading about alcohol, including about mm-hmm. the whole depressant versus stimulant thing and all that. And um, alcohol does not like you. It might be a, a mental thing for you. You might think, "Oh, I'd like, to, I'd love to have a nice snifter of bourbon or cognac right before I go to bed," and like it helps you relax mentally and everything. But it, it, you get shittier sleep. And you mm-hmm. you wake up throughout the night multiple times, even if, if you're not like consciously awake. It's they mm-hmm. measured him all throughout the night in a you know closed room. He likes crushed a glass of bourbon before going right yeah. to sleep. I was like, oh, <laughs> who does that? But um, yeah, it, it's it definitely does not help you sleep. Um, I I thought something was interesting that he said about this that really spoke to me specifically mm-hmm. is that once the test was done and he said. It might not help you get better sleep, but he said it does make you sleep deeper in the beginning of the night, but you get worse sleep as the night progresses. Right. Yep. So I and something I've always noticed about myself is that I when I'm drunk and I go to bed, I sleep really hard. And I wake up way earlier than I always do. Same. And and I'm getting into the, the next topic, which they talk about hangovers and the best thing, if, if there is a remedy for a hangover. Um, but they did mention one thing, and I'm blessed, and I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. They said, and I don't know how they figured out the stat, but one out of five people don't get hangovers. I And I didn't realize it was that many people, but I am blessed to be in what in the one out of five group that I don't get hangovers. But I also, I, I, 
my hangover is just I'm tired the next day. That's what I always say. I'm like definitely just not 100%. Yep. But whenever they were talking about this nightcap thing and sleeping hard in the beginning and then getting crappier sleep as the night goes on and you wake up earlier, I was like, that is exactly me. Like I sleep really hard. And then when I do wake up, I wake up super early. And I'm always like, ah. I'll make up the sleep on the next day. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like the conversation with the water content earlier. It's like, yes, the alcohol caused it, but at the end of the day, the reason you are, have a sleep, a fatigue hangover is because you got shit sleep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, really interesting. And I did pull up the name of that stuff in your next in the next and final section, Tommy, so go ahead and finish us off. Hangovers. What are they called? The things... <laughs> Betrayal. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the sound of Tommy's recording going kaput on him. So here I am, filling in the hole, and Tommy was about to talk about the three different groups of individuals that they did in one test. One of them did nothing at all to prevent or cure the hangover. One of them took a preventative measure, which was a pill of borage or starflower oil, which was meant to help with inflammation and one group that actually tried to cure the hangover after the fact the next morning with a classic fry-up, which is lots of carbs, fat, glucose, so sausage, potatoes, eggs, everything like that, and a big greasy breakfast to try and cure the hangovers. And the basic findings of the study were that people who took the preventative measure had the best results, people who did nothing at all, of course, had the worst results, and people who had the breakfast fry-up had middle-of-the-road results, but there is definitely some promising evidence that you can get rid of or prevent a hangover under certain circumstances. There are various things that um, cause hangovers, including, obviously, dehydration and inflammation is is a huge thing. And what that uh, borage oil does is is it contains, um, it's called high-gamma linoleic acid, or GLA, and it is that it's a fatty acid that can help reduce inflammation, which also makes sense because if it is a preventative measure to reduce inflammation, that makes sense why the next day, if you take, um, it, you know, I always, I often get these confused. I know ibuprofen, aspirin, and Tylenol, like they do very slightly different things, but the ones that reduce inflammation specifically, um, that's why a lot of times you take that and like your, your headache goes away or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I do I love that idea. It's I've also had really good luck with for prevention, just drinking a ton of water, obviously, because that that dilutes alcohol, obviously. It goes without saying. That that goes back to the very first or second thing that we talked about. And then um as far as a cure goes, the day after, I almost never take medicine. That's my way of punishing my body because I'm like, oh, I've wrecked my liver with alcohol and then I wreck it with Tylenol or whatever. What I like to do instead is tons of water as much as I can, salt and sugar. Those two things fix me up big time. Like I I actually had a hangover. Um, uh, It wasn't horrible, but this past weekend on Saturday and I woke up and had water and like juice or something, I think orange juice. And then I immediately got ramen. And my entire wagon was fixed like a half an hour later. So there's definitely something. I think there's something to the water, salt, sugar thing the day after. 
So that's the truth about alcohol, everybody. Um, I don't know exactly how this is going to wrap up because I think I lost Tommy for a little bit, but um, obviously you've already heard that part of the episode, so we hope you enjoyed it. Um, it's I know that we talked about all of the contents of the documentary, obviously spoilers in essence, but like it's totally worth watching. I think that guy who led it was uh, very entertaining, obviously a very knowledgeable dude, and um, it's worth your time. If you're a drinker, I think less than an hour it's a good investment of your time just to like think more about, just drink more conscientiously. Uh, as long as you throw Fridays and Saturdays right out the window, like Tara and I do. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, we'll see you on the next episode. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, anything like that, it's uh, craftheadspodcast at gmail.com. Our Patreon, if you want to support us, is patreon.com slash craftheadspodcast. We have a Discord server where we discuss anything and everything, just like the podcast. And last but not least, if you're able, we would very much appreciate if you um, rate or follow us on your favorite podcast platform, uh, following on Spotify, and uh, if you can smash a five-star review in on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super awesome, too. There's a link in the episode as well, so... Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Game over.